أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد So this uh, session is meant to be a little bit more I guess interactive uh, in the sense that if someone has any questions or comments we'll just give a little bit of an introduction and then uh, open it up for, for discussion uh, I don't know uh, what the, do we know what the, the provision is for the sisters if they want to ask questions? They can write a note card, inshallah. And should they just slip it through the, the parda or, yeah? We'll have, one sister. we'll have a sister over there that, that, that collects the questions as well. Okay, so uh, inshallah, and obviously it's a limited amount of time. We're not going to be able to get through everything, but uh, uh, hopefully it's, it's, it's an occasion to start some discussion and some thought process. And what the discussion is about is, Sheikh Tamim asked me to share a little bit about uh, a project that I've, uh, that I've been involved in since the beginning of 2016, which uh, started uh, after having met a brother from New York um, at a conference, and he said that, you know, we invite, we invite scholars to conferences and things like that, um, to our conferences, and they give the talks we ask them to give. Is there any project that you yourself would like to do and, uh, uh, you know, kind of organically let it grow from there? And I told him, yeah, I said that our, uh, you know, our, our tradition has these mutun that we talked about earlier in the, uh, in the earlier talk. And those are generally, uh, uh, you know, really well-prepared vehicles for conveying um, quite a bit of knowledge, a dense amount of knowledge in a proper way. Uh, and then the person, once they receive that knowledge, um, it makes them, I don't want to say it makes them uh, uh, lose need for scholarship, but it is something <laughs> that, you know, makes them in their knowledge less dependent on scholars, that the things that they know with the mutun, that's the nice thing, is the things you know, you know, you know them. It's solid information, it's bankable information. And we live in an age that, you know, it seems that everything has like 20 opinions with regards to it. And so uh, because, because we have difference of opinion, some people have allowed that to let them lull into a position where nothing is really true anymore because everyone's going to claim difference of opinion. That, you know, you should have some sort of authority with, with, with regards to your knowledge. And uh, from the branches of knowledge that I see uh, are most dead in the age that we live in and at the same time are most needed is Aqidah. And so I had taught Aqidah hitherto uh, 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 on a number of occasions using different texts. But the, uh, the, the book of the Tahawiyah, uh, uh, I chose it because A, it's solid information and B, it's something that's like universally accepted amongst the scholarship of, of the Ahl-Sunnah. That there are different traditions in Aqidah, just like there are different madhahib in fiqh, there are different uh, traditions in, in madhahib in Aqidah within the Ahlul Sunnah, and all of them consider the, the, the uh, text of the Tahawiyah to be like, solid, to be something that's an authoritative text and a good starting point for a person to, uh, for a person to study uh, Aqidah, at least a, a, just the laity of, of the Ummah. And so uh, I told him, I said, I can teach the entire text from beginning to end uh, with a reasonable amount of uh, uh, detail and explanation in 15 instructional hours. 
but it's not going to be a typical it's not going to be a typical um, gathering in the sense that like everyone comes late and then uh, you know people leave early and you can you know just cherry pick this and that and everything is going to be tailored in order to be uh, entertaining and uh, you know engaging and we're going to talk about Facebook half the time and we're going to ask like you know like when question and answers happen it's interesting that because of the philosophical like complete like degradation of people people don't even know how to ask questions anymore and I know because I'm the worst of them I have recordings of my durus like I when I studied like mp3s were like just a new thing so I recorded the many of the durus so I listened to the old lessons I, I used to take and the way I used to ask questions they're horrible I actually think that some of the the, the questions I get from other people are just punishment for the <laughs> torment that I put my teachers through uh, not everybody had patience with it the, the few that had patient patience with me Allah Ta'ala uh, reward them with the good of this world and the hereafter people don't even know how to ask questions anymore and it's not an, entirely my fault because they say things like oh there's no such thing as a dumb question and you know I can't really repeat that with a straight face <laughs> So there's a type of question you ask which has to do with what you're, what you're reading. And then there's this type of weird tangential question that people ask, which is reflective of an unhinged mind. And we actually value the unhingedness of a person's mind uh, to some degree in the culture, the time, the place we live in. And it's not really 100% a positive thing. So people will ask questions like, oh, Sheikh, you mentioned in your talk about Cambridge Analytica. I read a paper that, you know, Milana, if you I request you just have a seat and then if you wish to that you uh, uh, share because this is, this is not like my talk or somebody else's talk. All of us share this. All of us share the same uh, uh, pain in our, in our heart uh, uh, because of which the, uh, uh, you know, this, this uh, uh, gathering uh, has been convened and the same pain is why I taught the Tahawiyah, and the same, it's the same thing that, the, that, that Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam conveyed to, uh, to the people that he loved, that a person should feel pain about the hal of the Ummah and want, want to make it better than what it is. Right. Before you continue, just don't forget your track of mind. I just want to mention a very important thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't need a mic if you... Uh... Yeah, no, it's just so everyone can hear. That's fine. Just, yeah. so just quickly, I wanted to, to take this opportunity to say... One of the things that inspired this idea of reviving Islamic literacy is the efforts of ulama and my beloved colleague and my friend, Hazrat Mawlana Hamza Saab, and many of the other scholars that are also doing this. I wanted to take this opportunity to mention that this uh, teaching of the Aqidah Tahawiyah that Mawlana Hamza has um, done as, you know, he has trips in different places. He already, I think, explained about that, that in different places he goes and he does the, the, the reading of the entire Aqid al-Tahawiyah and the students that actually are present in this gathering, they listen to it, they hear the commentary of it and at the end um, they are you know, given like as a, 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 a certification that they were present in the, you know, the reading and witnessing the reading of this book. And Throughout the centuries, there's going to be a specific lecture that will be given by Maulana um, Bilal, specifically about the tradition of the scholars, how this was the tradition throughout the centuries. Where when we talk about Bukhari, when we talk about Tirmizi or Abu Dawood or the Sunan of Nasa'i, these books actually, students like this, 
And believe it or not, I was just reading before I came, 10,000 people, 20,000 people. And in one, and this is Adabul Imla Wal Istimla. I think Khatib Baghdadi, he mentions over 120,000 people, they would be present for being a witness of the recitation of these books. Just like crazy, mind-boggling things. Completely mind-boggling that how can this be possible? But this was the legacy that people would actually be present to hear the recitation, the reading, the commentary of these books. And it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing. So what Maulana is actually speaking about, this is not about just simply, uh, we're going to give some lectures and like this, Islamic literacy is going to be revived. What Maulana is already doing, what Maulana is doing, and this is why I wanted this session to, 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 to uh, what, what we wish that every single person in the gathering will actually have a copy of the book. Inshallah, may Allah Ta'ala make it possible that that book is going to be published and Allah Ta'ala make, give the means and the, and, the, and the tawfiq that the book becomes published. This is what we wanted, the interactive session of this. The reviving Islamic literacy is exactly how what Maulana is doing. Is that he has a text, the students have that text, and there is a reading where the students are, the, 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 it's either being recited to the shaykh or the shaykh is reciting it. So these would be the two methods that the, the, the student will be reading it and everybody would be listening. And you guys probably even till this day in Medina Munawwara, Makkah Mukarramah, you'll see like they, the, the student will be reading and the teach, in the presence of that teacher. And then at the end, you know, ijazah will be given. This was the reality of, you know, Islamic literacy throughout the centuries. So what, you know, this specific uh, part or segment of uh, um, this, uh, uh, you know, program, this segment was actually meant, I, I, I wanted, I was hopeful that, you know, everybody would get like a copy of the book and they'll be able to read along. Inshallah, we'll be doing that for the tomorrow session. We, everybody, inshallah, they have a copy of the treasures where you actually, we read and the commentary is given and you're following along. So this is essentially like what Maulana is doing. And may Allah Ta'ala continue to uh, increase his efforts that Allah Ta'ala take him to all parts of the world where, you know, people don't have the opportunity to have access to scholars. May Allah Ta'ala take him to all, you know, corners of the world that be able to revive the correct uh, Islamic creed and belief in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And uh, essentially like what, what this is, what, what, he, what he is doing actually is the whole kind of essence of reviving Islamic literacy. So I just wanted to interject. Feel free to interject whenever you wish to. What did you mention about your, in Colombia and different places that you did? The yeah, sure. So, just add, add to what I'm saying. Inshallah, inshallah. Uh, so we were, we were talking about questions, right? The people have these tangential weird questions and we've like been indulged to like believe that that's somehow good and useful. That's good and useful for like conversation and not all conversation is a waste of time. But one of the reasons that we one of the reasons that we value that in the, um, the, the culture and civilization that we're a part of, I don't like using Western because Nuakshat and Mauritania is further west than London is. And I don't like using European because Qadi ibn Abdul Bar was from Europe, Istanbul is Europe, Albania, Bosnia, these places are all in Europe. There's a particular <laughs> civilization that, that this culture comes out of. Because of its obsession with mass amounts of information, 
which happens at the same time as complete lack of order, complete chaos of those independent data points. This type of question is not really that big of a deal. But when you have a dars, you have 15 hours, you're trying to convey a certain amount of information and all of it is laid out in logical order, meaning the second page is not understandable until you understood the first page, like a math book or something like that. You're not going to explain to somebody multiplication without them understanding what addition is. Because of, because of that, uh, you know, I told people it's 15 hours. If you have a question like you said this word, what does it mean? Like a clarifying question, you can go ahead and ask. If you ask a question that's unhinged or is trying to delve in, like right now we're giving the overview of the science. Remember we talked about the progression of the mutun. If right now we're giving you an overview of the science and you're trying to ask stuff like the differences of opinion or what's the proof of this or that or whatever, you're trying to jump the, the tartib, you will be respectfully reminded that that's not what we're here for right now. And it, it's, a really interesting, it's a really interesting experience because those 15 hours are completely different than what people are used to, used to going through, even in an Islamic setting, because they're, they're, they're accustomed to motivational talks. The Jummah Khutbah is supposed to be motivational. Unfortunately, because the Jummah Khutbah, the pulpit has been hijacked by people who don't really know what they're talking about and are fascinated with the idea that religion provides them a forum in which 200 people have to listen to what they're saying without speaking. Uh, that, that idea fascinates them. And so there are people fighting over who gets to give the khutbah now. Uh, like the jackal and hyena uh, tell each other when the lion is out of, you know, while the lion is sleeping, they say, you know, my father used to be king. Uh, the, you know, that doesn't even happen properly. But when it happens properly, the Jummah Khutbah is a motivational talk. People are maximally only, uh, only introduced to that. Or they look for, oh, this is cool sheikh. He's going to talk about science. He's going to talk about pop culture. He's going to mention whatever, Kim Kardashian, and now all of a sudden this person is like revived Islam amongst the Muslims. You understand what I'm saying? No, literally, this is not like, I'm not, I wish I was making this up. This is like the benchmark now of what listening to a talk is. So th the teaching that the Hawiya is diametrically opposed to all of these things, which is what? Here is something hyper-relevant to your life, you didn't know anything about it, and now it's crammed full of information. And you're just writing, 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 and at the end of it, you're like, wow, that was completely different. Those people who know what that process is like, almost all of them were like, Sheikh, it'll never work. Nobody's going to listen. People don't have the patience. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the tolerance. They don't have this. They don't have that. They don't have the other thing. So this one brother, he said, you know what? Let's just try it out. So he's, he went to university. He's from New York. He went to university in Philly. So uh, anyone who's uh, familiar with Philly, which is a really strange place, uh, um, an interesting place to say the least, uh, we had like, we booked a venue at like Drexel University uh, or Temple University, one of the two. And... Uh, um, just a bunch, you know, I guess a bunch of the MSA kids basically were the, 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 the lab rats, the, the guinea pigs for the, for the, for the first darsa of the Tahawiya like this. And there were maybe like 35, 40 people. Uh, mashallah, they came, they sat through the whole thing and they actually benefited from it. By Allah's fadl, and this is not, you know, I, you know it's, not a, it's not me showing off or whatever. Rather, Allah knows that it's, his fadl and it has more to do with the barakah that's, that's loaded, hyper crammed into these texts, these mutun. Right? Because what did I say? It's not doing something new. It's doing the same thing that's been done for centuries. And in America where everyone has a fetish for doing new things, 
doing the same old thing is a new thing. Right? Doing the same thing everyone else did. It's like, why don't we try that? We've tried everything else, right? So even that's something new. So Alhamdulillah, by Allah's fellow, there was even a, 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 um, a woman who was not a Muslim who attended the talk. And uh, she's, mashallah, a student of knowledge now, like in her like, third year of study in Jordan or second year of study in Jordan right now, mashallah, alhamdulillah. So uh, there was a lot of benefit from it. And we agreed that this is something we should uh, take to other places. By Allah's fellow, since that time, I think almost 15 times we've done the khatam of the book, the tahawiyah, um, in a number of different continents. Actually, uh, after this talk is done, I'm going straight to the airport. And uh, in Istanbul, we're going to have a reading of it, inshallah, in the next week. Uh, and it's something co- completely boggles the mind. It completely boggles the mind. that This thing which used to be like Moana was saying, it was a, uh, a mainstay of the civilization. Imagine that civilization. In pre-modern times, literacy levels were so low. Even now, people, they know how to read, but what did they use that for? This is what I ate for dinner, LOL, you know. Uh, liberals are going to burn the country down. Let's kill them all. And conservatives are all crazy. And this is what people, these are stupid things that people use literacy for, the skill of reading and writing. They use them for these things. Nobody actually uses them to, illa man except for the few people, Allah has a very specific mercy on them. Very few people use it in order to use that skill in order to benefit themselves or in order to bring benefit to themselves or to others. So imagine what was that civilization that 100,000 people will show up in order to hear the recital of Sahih Bukhari with Sanad. Why? Because they want to hear what the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said. Because they, you know, what is that civilization that those people, you know, in, imagine in that 100,000 people, you think everyone is literate? There are also illiterate farmers used to come. Why? Because their belief inside of their heart was what? These are, these are the words of the Messenger of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, there were rep- no mics or anything. So do you think anyone's loud enough that 100,000 people will hear them at the same time? They used to actually have repeaters that would repeat the, the dars. Even then people wouldn't, wouldn't be able to hear it. People would show up just with this belief inside of their hearts that the words of the Nabi wasallam are being said and there's benefit in it. Right? You think this is the only time in the history of Islam where Muslims are in difficulty? Uh, 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 Dhabi writes about like when the Mongols were like sieging Damascus. When the Mongols were sieging Damascus, the ulama, they came, they started reading from the books of hadith. Why? Because this is a way of receiving the, 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 the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the mercy of Allah ta'ala from, from, from whose mercy from, from which? Catastrophes are averted. Calamities are averted through attracting the mercy of Allah. Through his disobedience, his anger comes and through... Seeking his mercy, catastrophes are averted. Catastrophes we deserve, we earned. They're averted through seeking his mercy. That has no bound whatsoever. That they used to do these things. And that Mongol uh, invasion of the Muslim lands, it was, it was even worse than the calamities that the, the Muslims are going through right now. And what was the natija of that civilization that this is how they dealt with catastrophe and calamity? That all those Mongols are all Muslims now. Half of Hyderabad is walking around with the last name Khan now. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala averted that catastrophe from the Ummah. Because they, they knew how to tap into the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So many levels in it. Even the Mongols themselves, they sacked anyone, any civilization that existed in the, in the land, they sacked all of them. Chinese, they destroyed them. The uh, 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 Eastern Europe, 
they destroyed them. The whole, Christendom is waiting that our turn is next. They sacked Baghdad, all the great cities of Central Asia. They knew everybody. In fact, in the early period, actually, many of the Mongols were actually Christians. They, one of the first, because they had their pagan animistic, uh, animist religion that they used to follow. So the bulk of them in the beginning were either Christians or Buddhists. Uh, and uh, uh, what happens is Islam enters into their, into their practice relatively late. I think the first, the f- great first, uh, first great Khan who accepts uh, Islam is the son of Jochi, the firstborn son of, of, of Chinggis Khan. Uh, his name is Birke, and he takes the Muslim name Baraka. Right? So it's relatively late, actually. Otherwise, there's Christians and Buddhists in the, in the, in the, in the royal families, uh, in the royal family of the different Khans from a lot earlier than that. They say that Ulegu, uh, 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 who they, they, uh, uh, they, they uh, sarcastically give the name Halaku in, 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 in Persian and in Arabic. Um, Halak means like destruction and death, right? Uh, he, his wife was actually an historian Christian. Uh, so they had, had exposure to these other religions and faiths from before. But after they come in contact with Islam, after having sacked and destroyed and completely dominated the Muslims, they realize, wow, these guys have like a really good thing coming. These people, their civilization that they built up, uh, there's, you know, they don't practice it well, but there's something that if we take it, we can take it to the next level. And that's why we see after Mongol invasion, after the destruction of the Mongols, you see the Ottoman Empire, the Mughal Empire, these great world empires in which uh, the civilization of Islam is propelled forward. Um, they themselves take up that work. Why? The mercy of Allah Ta'ala made what? It made even our enemies into our friends. Some of us may actually be descendants of those enemies and some of us may be the descendants of those enemies and ourselves now the greatest friends of Allah Ta'ala. What is it? That system works. So coming back to what we're talking about right now, and inshallah, I'll try to cap it by uh, 5.30. That way we can have some time for a question and answer and discussion. Um, that we tried this thing out and everyone's like, it's not going to work. Too much information. People don't have attention span. People are not interested. You know, they want to hear about Kim Kardashian. They don't want to hear about like, you know, whether the Quran is created or not. Um, you know, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not gonna... Well, let's just try it. Guess what? Alhamdulillah, mashallah, it was really worked out really well. And ever since then, now there's more invitations I get than I can fulfill because I have other things, I have to pay my bills and do all these other things. But people, the demand, the talab is there for, for people to hear it. And that's where the idea to write, write the book came from. Which is that one person cannot do this. We need, we, the, the aqidah of, of, of Islam is so important. We need, mashallah, we need like a jamaat of like 40 ulama, full time, all they do, go from one side of the country to the other teaching aqidah one after the other, after the other, after the other. And then once they, the year is done, they start back from when they started from and just keep doing it. Right? If you want to know about the calamities that hit the Muslims in the past, right? one of them was the Crusades as well. The Crusades, Crusaders identified themselves as Crusaders, the warriors of the cross. Right? Our uh, forefathers didn't call them Crusaders. The term Salibi, which is like the Arabic transition of Crusader, it's like comes into Arabic later. The word they used for them was like the Farinja. They said, these people are not Christians because we've been living with Christians for centuries. Christians we know are not like nearly as barbaric, killing people and, you know, whatever, soaking the, the streets of Jerusalem in blood. The Christians we live with are not like that, right? We're not going to call them Europeans because also, like we said, mashallah, there's so many Muslims in Europe, Spain, Portugal, Sicily, all of these places they were. 
these are these are places where uh, cradles of, of Islamic civilization. The books we read still come from these places. I, I'm fond of mentioning this because there's so many Sicilians in, in Chicago. Sicily was like where the first commentary on Sahih Muslim was written. Right? There are Salaf, like Asad bin Furat was a direct student of Imam Muhammad, the student of Imam Hanifa. He's, he's, his Mazar is in Sicily. Right? Uh, uh, and 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 uh, Lahmi, all these people—they all had ties to Idrisi, right? Ibn Khaldun, uh, he worked in the Sicilian court of the Norman, the Norman knights, because when the Normans conquered Sicily back from the Muslims, I shouldn't say back because they're from Scandinavia and France, but when they conquered Sicily from the Muslims, um, uh, Roger of Normandy was like, "Yeah, this is amazing. Like, there's no way, there's no way any European king can run a kingdom this amazing." So he kept the official language of the court of Sicily Arabic and kept all of the same uh, government functionaries and systems in place in Sicily for 200 years until the Pope ordered him to stop. And ever since then, Sicily has become a backwater, economic backwater. The only thing that's there now is mafia since then. It's economically completely depressed place. Right? And while the Muslims ruled it, and for those 200 years afterward, it was literally square inch for square inch, the most productive and most wealthy part of Europe, even more wealthy than Muslim Spain. So the idea is, is, is what, is that the, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say European, but the Crusaders, this was this, this calamity that hit the, hit the Muslims. And the Muslims were, much like they're doing today, completely fighting with one another. Whether at the masjid level to the national level, people were just in a horrible uh, situation. The people who f managed to cement a, a, a uh, opposition to the, to the Farinja. We don't say to the Christians, like I said, we don't have a problem with Christians. We've been living from, with Christians. Rasulullah was living with Christians in his own lifetime. The Sahaba themselves used to live, they were, imagine this, they were a minority. The Khulafa Rashidun were a minority in their own country. The companions of the Messenger of Allah we would walk in the streets of Iraq, walk in the streets of Syria, walk in the streets of Egypt, and they were a minority. They would pass drunkards in the streets and they would not, you know what I mean? And that was just a thing. The drunkards were not Muslims. Drunkards, literally Christians, they would say, "This is their, this is their, their right. We give them their right to practice their deen, and their deen drinking is not haram. So, this is a right vouchsafed to them by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that their churches should be open. All of this, right? But this civilization that's like, we're just going to kill you and take your stuff, right? Uh, how was the the opposition to that cemented? Through the revival of through the revival of the study of aqidah of the Ahlus Sunnah al Jamaa. Right, that's the same madrasa nizami. It's the same fikr that was there in all of these different, uh, uh, all of these different epochs where Muslims were besieged. We understand something that other people don't, which is that victory starts inside the heart, which is that rectification starts inside the heart, unity starts inside of the heart. Every good thing in the world, it doesn't start with paycheck funding, uh, a government, PR, media, prop. It doesn't start with any of those things. It all starts from the inside and it goes out. It's not going to come from the outside in. And so my feeling was that there's no time, if any time needed this, uh, uh, needed this aqidah, it's this time. And so how am I going to go everywhere and teach myself? If there's a book, writing the book is difficult. If there's a book, mashallah, other people can take it and then teach from it. Because there are many people who are competent to read it. There may not be as many that are competent to write it. And from those who are competent to write it, who has the time to do any of those things? So that was the, the, the idea is that since the dar seems to be uh, uh, something that picks up with people, that hopefully this can be a medium of the revival of this, uh, uh, of this uh, uh, branch of learning. And I would be happy if amongst you there were not one, several people who could teach it better than me. Why? 
because if you learned it through me, then Allah Ta'ala will give me the, the credit. And which is the best as a businessman, which is the better deal? The, 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 the reward with Allah Ta'ala that I earn through my effort or the word that reward I learn, earn with Allah without any effort? Why? Because we live with materialistic people. We ourselves have become materialistic people. Everyone's jealous. I'm the one who did that. I should patent this and copyright it. And I'll get the credit and reward and they should send me royalties. You idiot. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala has made people like beasts of burden to earn reward for you. Not in this world where a dollar come and dollar goes, but in the hereafter where everything you have stays with you forever. Like beasts of burden, he's laden them with your work and they're earning for you. What could be better than that? We're the beasts of burden that carry the knowledge of our forefathers. Why? Because we know that this is the only thing that's going to be our salvation. What, how much must Allah Ta'ala love them? Uh, and so this is the fikr that, that, that we had inshallah. And this is inshallah the fikr that, 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 I, that underpins even this gathering. That we should think about things in a new way. And we should embrace that thought and collaborate with one another. Because it worked before and it'll work again. Uh, and in it is the solutions to our problems. That, that knowledge is how we're going to pull ourselves out of the plight that we're in. And even if we're doing well, knowledge is the only way we're going to better ourselves. So with that, I wanted to open it up, inshallah, if anyone has any uh, questions. This is not a darsh, so I'm not going to be like hyper, like make sure that it's 100% on topic. Uh, 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 but if anyone has any questions, inshallah, please ask. And sisters also, you can uh, uh, send your questions as well. Barakallah fikum. Mohan, would you like to add something? You know, one uh, point that I wanted to mention, mashallah, uh, a center of learning, kind of like, you know, uh, the people of Chicago, and I know there's people from various different uh, places, but especially people in Chicago, you people are, mashallah, very blessed. Or if you come from those localities where you have imams that are traditionally uh, qualified, they're scholars, you know, it is very easy for you to be part of revival of Islamic literacy. Very easy. I was at Dar es Salaam, mashallah, at least there was 150 or 200 people. I'm not sure. It would look like a very large gathering. And I was, uh, you know, as a joke, I said, I'm, we're talking about reviving Islamic literacy in a place that it's already being revived. Monthly seminar, always. The next monthly seminar, just, this is, uh, this, uh, Brothers and sisters, is not about uh, uh, newer publications or newer institute or Maulana Hamza's book or my uh, F. This is about reviving deen. Uh, Sheikh Amin mentioned something very beautiful. He said, this is a matter that has to do with Muslims of every single level. Children, men, women, uh, whatever uh, uh, you know, background you consider yourself, whatever you know, school of thought that you consider yourself. Sheikh Amin actually said this. He said, this is for every single, when you say, La ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah, every single one of us have to be connected with the, you know, the, the legacy of Iqra. Every single one of us. And, you know, the people who, who are blessed to be in an environment of knowledge. Young man came up to me. He's about, uh, uh, you know, before this program, he was at the Dar es Salaam uh, program last night. So he met me here. And he's about 20 years old. He said, Shaykh, you're so right. He said, I lived in a, he mentioned a specific state. He said, I, I, I lived there for, you know, the beginning part of my life. And we didn't have uh, these type of gatherings. Uh, we didn't have these type of opportunities. We didn't have uh, an imam or a scholar in our local masjid. And, um, you know, at that time in my life, I, I didn't have, you know, any knowledge. I didn't have any connection. We just used to go to the masjid, just come back home. 
and you know whoever would be imam they would just you know stand up and lead the prayer whoever could just read some quran that's how my you know initial stages was he said when i came here you know and he specifically mentioned dar salam or any other you know like i said this we're not affiliated to any of the masajid every any masjid that has mashallah programs taking place he said my whole life changed because there's monthly seminars there's programs there's makatib there's quran class there's tafsir class there's hadith class mashallah you know friday they have durus sharif majlis they have you know dhikr majalis it's just it's it's amazing and it's very important for us you know especially those who are in this area which is saturated with scholars saturated with ulama and these programs for example the next program they're having is the problem of the existence of evil they're having a seminar next month right a lot of people now their 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 faith is getting affected by that if there's really a god why does he allow so much evil in the world right so that 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 problem of the existence of evil that's going to be discussed in the next seminar i mean subhanallah constantly these beneficial things are going on you as fortunate people that are connected uh, uh, to those masajid, to those places, take benefit. Go out of your homes. The Messenger mentioned, Man kharaja fi talabil ilmi. Man kharaja. Kharaja, not man jalasa. He didn't say man jalasa fi talabil ilmi. The one who sits for the, for the learn, seeking of knowledge. You can't, if you're sitting, you're not seeking. If you're sitting, you're not seeking. And one of brothers and sisters very important in reviving Islamic literacy is coming out and going through the mujahada and going through the struggles. Uh, one of the prophecies of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is a hadith mentioned in Kitab al-Ilm al-Mishkat. It actually says, "لا ألفين أحد أحدكم متكئاً على أريكته." Let me not find one of you sitting back on his couch and sofa. You know what arika? Arika is a word that means it's almost like araik, like it mentions, right? Uh, uh, um, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions about the people of Jannah that they will be muttakiina ala al-araik la yarawna fiha shamsan wa la harira. Allah mentions that one of the qualities of the people of paradise, they'll be re- reclining on, you know, very luxuriant cushions, luxuriant sofas. That didn't exist in the, in the, in the everyday life in, in the time of the Prophet. But the Prophet is mentioning, لا Let me not find one of you, O oh my ummatis. Let me not find one of you that you are sitting in your home, Rajulan, Shab'anan, with his full stomach sitting in his home on his couch, saying this, ما وجدناه في كتاب الله حلالاً حللناه وما وجدناه في كتاب الله حراماً حرمناه Whatever we find in the book of Allah halal, we say it's halal. Whatever we find in the book of Allah haram, we say it's haram. Don't come to me with this, what the hadith said. Don't mention to me the hadith of the Prophet. Leave the hadith of the Prophet. Let me, the Prophet ﷺ prophesied, a time will come, people will not be making khuruj. People will not be going under, you know, undergoing struggle. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I don't want to embarrass our dear brother, uh, brother Omar Zaman, he's here. With what difficulty, just recently he had, I heard he had surgery, with what difficulty, subhanAllah is coming. May Allah Azza wa Jal elevate him. He's, a, he's, a, he's an inspiration for us. He's a motivation for us. With what hardship and difficulty he's here. With what hardship and difficulty he has come to this gathering. This is the, 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 the reality of, you know, um, the reviving of this legacy. The Messenger actually said, you, should, you must come out. 
Let me not find you sitting around. You have to make khuruj. Man kharaja. And, you know, there, there is, like I said, it's not just about, you know, just the book aspect of it. Right? There's a whole system. This legacy, has, it's a whole program. It's a whole system. So, you know, this is, this is uh, something that, that, that I wanted to uh, mention. I forgot what I actually, what I was saying in the beginning, why I even... Uh, so, yeah, the, the people of Chicago, make khuruj to your masajid, to these seminars, to these programs, to your local scholars, where these programs are taking place. And those amongst you who are the people of knowledge, you know who you are. There are some, mashallah, people of knowledge, scholars, uh, imams, my dear brothers, and some of my sisters who are from the people of knowledge, my dear brothers and sisters, my humble request to you guys is part of reviving the Islamic legacy is going to those places where people do not have, people, where, where, where they don't have access to knowledge. They don't have access to scholars. May Allah SWT reward Muhammad doing this like wherever that opportunity arises, going to those places. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, another shout out to my beloved colleague Maulana Bilal. I heard, you know, Ma Bilal, he has a Shama'il dars, you know, uh, the characteristics of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a weekly dars. He also has a Ihya Ulum Al-Deen, Ihya Ulum dars, right, of Imam Al-Ghazali. So, you know, I was in town, this was a couple of months ago, I was in town and I said, oh, Maulana uh, uh, Bilal is having a, uh, a program. So I said, you know, I'll go to this program. So I went to the program and uh, Ma Bilal was there sitting, mashallah, with, with, with the book. And there was literally like six people there, you know. Two of them were, you know, running around, running after their kids because their kids were like not, you know, behaving. And then, you know, another two, they're probably, you know, English second language. And then the other two were like, you know, half the time on their phone. Another one's like looking at his, uh, uh, well, I said, subhanallah. Shaykh al-Hadith. Mawlana Bilal right now in Darul Qasim is teaching hadith. Shaykh al-Hadith to me is not like a, you know, a 70, 80 year old old man. He is a person who is, you know, literally as we speak, teaching hadith and at the position of the faculty of hadith in Darul Qasim. There, giving his time, making himself available for the ummah to teach a book that you cannot even imagine. Subhanallah, I would like, seriously, if we really knew how much is there a disappreciation how much is there a disappreciation? It's almost shocking to me. Malala Bilal is sitting in the masjid, free class. And this is exactly what Malala Hamza was saying previously, that maybe we need to charge people and market it in such a way where perhaps, you know, if, if, if it's some way connected to the nafs, then we'll actually appreciate this thing. But when this is being given, you know, when this is being, uh, you know, provided for the ummah, can you imagine having an opportunity to study the Ihya al-Ulum with a Shaykh al-Hadith, with a person who is, you know, a teacher in the faculty of Hadith in Darul Qasim? What an honor! What an honor for the people of Chicago! How are people not going? I don't understand this. This is my my dard, my gham. People of Chicago. That's why I wanted to come here and speak about it first, because it's better to speak it about it in a place where it's being revived, but it's not being revived. It's being revived, but it's not being availed. Can I add something? So, mashallah, uh, uh, you know, related to one of the things that Sheikh Tamim just mentioned, uh, we mentioned Murabit passed away, rahimahullah, wa ta'ala, uh, just a few days ago. 
And I myself am very amazed with how affected people were by it. People who ostensibly have very little connection with ilm, they called me and weeping, crying literally, you know, to give condolences because they said you studied from him and he was also the teachers of your teacher of your teachers. And I said, man, this person is like more affected than maybe even I am. And then uh, one of the things that completely scratches the chalkboard of my soul is what? People are like, oh, I wish I had gone and met him during his lifetime and blah, blah, blah. And I wish I had this, I wish I had that. You still can. How can you meet them? If you want to meet Murabit, mashallah, he has a sharh on the Ajrumi. It's literally the first book of Arabic grammar that you read. No, no prerequisites required. Come read it. If you've already read it, he has a commentary on the Alfiyat ibn Malik. Come read it. His great-grandfather, Fahfu, his Sheikh Mukhtar bin Buna, uh, um, he wrote an Ihmirar. It's like a, every third line of the Alfiya, he adds his own line as a commentary. Right? Come read it. I can't teach it. It's a bit beyond me. But uh, you know, go, go to the Mashaykh and read it. It's interesting. Fahfu actually was the great Alama of his age. And Mukhtar al-Buna was like from the, the uh, Tajikan, like from, the, from a, a tribe that was no, known for their knowledge. And so Fahfu, when he came from a different tribe to go learn, and already the students have crowded him out, uh, um, there's no way for him to get dars. So he was a troublemaker, he was a joker. Murabit wasn't like this at all. Murabit was like the most like, like angelic soul you could think of. But their, their tribe has a lot of jokery type people, mashallah. So Fahfu was a total joker. He, what did he do? He knew Mukhtar al-Buna was, was, was afraid of dogs. So they're Bedouins, they, they, you know, they use dogs for herding animals, right? So he brought, brought the dogs in, uh, into the tent, and the, the sheikh is like screaming, like, get them out of here, what are they doing here, and this and that. He says, you swear you'll teach me Darcy guys, whatever you ask, just get the dogs out of here. <laughs> There's actually a lot of, yeah, even Murabit's father, Salik, you know, this is the, the beauty of the, the ilm, that the, it's so beautiful, mashallah. It's makru to speak after Salat al-Fajr until the sun rises, except for in zikr. So Murabit, when he was a young man, he used, it's not like he was always like world famous superstar, right? So he had to go and, he had to go and uh, uh, take the sheep out for, to grace after Fajr. So he'd say zikr while, while, uh, while herding the sheep. And so he used to, the sheep, there are like, there are commands, you know, for the sheep that they can go out. You have to come back in danger, all these things. They have weird noises. There's like a whole language you speak with the herd, right? It's difficult for people to understand here. Some of the noises I cannot make, the Bedouins make fun of me when I try to make it, like the, the noise called tingat. I, I can't do it. It's, it's really difficult, but they, they, they make these noises. The sheep know it's time to come back in, right? So if one of the sheep would stray at that time, because Makru to speak, if one of the sheep would, would, would stray at that time, he wouldn't even use the, the shepherd language. He would say, subhanAllah, and the sheep would come back. And so his father, Salik, he one time he, heard, he saw this happening and all the other more elders were there while Murabit was a young man he yelled out he started laughing he yelled out he says he says do the thing God call them in their language otherwise if you say whoever says subhanallah the wolf eats his sheep <laughs> they, they were people they were people like literally the, the knowledge was alive with them and it wasn't boring you know what I mean you can still you can still see you can still meet that knowledge don't be like don't be like people from a defunct civilization you all know, you all been to school and work. When someone dies at work, what happens? That yesterday everyone was talking crap about him. Like, Bill, he's so annoying, always talks about his dog. I don't, want, I don't care about your stupid dog, Bill. Right? 
And then, then day after, you know, today he dies, then day after tomorrow, they're all at the memorial and like, we miss Bill so much. He was the life of our office and we're going to, the thing we're going to miss most is the touching stories he told about his dog. This is all nifak. This is, this is all hypocrisy. Neither you saying that makes it true, nor is it going to benefit you, nor is it going to benefit Bill. What's our tradition? Murabit passed away. People, people, nobody dies. Good people don't die. Bad people don't die either. For good people, everlasting life is a blessing. For bad people, it's a curse. Make dua for the people. If you want to meet them, khalas, the ilm is alive. It never dies. Meet them. I've seen so many people, they read the book, they, they, they keep the knowledge of that sheikh by day. At night, they see those people in their dreams. Meet them through their knowledge, their work, you know, the effort. Marabit, why he moved to the desert and why does he teach all these books and things? Why? This is something he learned from his elders as well. This is a, a, a life's work that they wanted to keep going. Keep that life's work going. Don't just be the person who Kalasa shared the Facebook post and, you know, put the little like crying emoji and like, uh, oh, I wish I had a chance to meet him. Oh, well. Don't want to study it from me. Read it from somebody else. There are students, mashallah, everywhere. Go read it from... But don't be, don't be one of those people like, you know, that, that to you, the, the passing of the mashayikh or, or whatever is like, you know, Bill and his dog stories. It's not like that. It's different. It's very different. If you want to embrace that legacy, you don't have to give a eulogy. We don't give eulogies. In Islam, really, eulogies, it's a genre of literature, but it's not actually something that's recommended by, by the deen, right? That you should say how wonderful a person is. If they were wonderful, that's... Even you, you saying it doesn't change it one bit. What will benefit them? You pray for them. You ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive them. And if there are people who did good, you continue there. Good work. You continue. All of this is a continuation of the work of the Messenger of Allah wasallam. His own bi'tha mubarakah, his own prophethood is a continuation of the work of all of the Prophets wasallam. Every one of the Prophets wasallam. They knew that one day the Prophet ﷺ will come and their ummah, his ummah when it comes, always deen will have the upper hand whenever, whenever they go. Wherever they go, the deen will have the upper hand. No one will be able to uh, uh, quash out the, the, this knowledge from the world. There are some Anbiya ﷺ, their people killed them treacherously. Ad, Thamud, all of those Anbiya, they're gone. There's some of the Prophets ﷺ, their message has been completely wasted by their, the, the, the subsequent generations of their followers. But they knew at least if our, our, if our attempt doesn't make it, these people, Allah Ta'ala, will, will keep this work alive with them until the Day of Judgment. This is a great honor and blessing for us that we have the, the, the option that we can take this, this, this work seriously. We can make it live with us. This is one of the things our elders, Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria, Rahimullah, Tabarak wa Ta'ala, Shaykh al-Hadith, um, you know, you want to know about, I'm teach, I, I, I'm, my nafs is all pumped up from teaching Bahawiyah like 16 times in two years, right? Uh, it's like a pamphlet. You could probably fit the whole text on one page front and back, right? You want to know Fakhr, you want to know someone who has the right to brag. Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria, rahimahullah ta'ala, he taught the Sahih Bukhari from cover to cover 40, 40 times. He knows it by the back, like the back of his hand. Shaykh Yunus, who he put on the Masnad after he died, same thing, over 40 years taught Bukhari Sharif cover to cover, knows it like the back of his hand from the front to back. Nowadays, when people say, bring me the proof from Bukhari. You never even heard a hadith before. Very few people have actually heard of hadith before. 
Can you read the chain of narration? Hadith is a text with a chain of narration. People, I tell people, I remember someone says, give me the proof from Hadith. I say, here's the book of Hadith. I open it up in front of them. The one that has no I'rab on it, has no tashkil. <laughs> I said, if you can read the chain of, forget about the text of that. If you can read the chain of narration properly, I'll give you jazat for the whole Sahih Bukhari. <laughs> they open, brother, يعني, you know, what, what, what are you trying to prove? I said, I'm trying to prove that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> No, this is, I, I don't need to, no, yeah, you need to, why don't you read it right now? And they just, they'll themselves close the book and put it away when they see it, it like freaks them out, right? Allah. Imagine 40 years cover to cover teaching the book. Sheikh, Sheikh Yunus, after Hazrat uh, Sheikh Zakaria, he just passed away like last Ramadan or right before. 40 years, where are you going to find somebody like that? This, this knowledge is, I mean, it's there, it's alive, you have to show up though, Right? People do this. This is the culture that we have. Everybody's like, Shaykh, can we go out for coffee? What, did Allah create you to pay for my coffee? Did Allah create you to pay for my burger and pizza? Is that the only thing you're going to get out of life? If you want to sit with me, sit in dars with me. That's my best time that Allah, you can sit with Allah, me. Shaykh Tamim, if you want to sit with him, the best time is to sit, sit in dars with him. Mulana Bilal is not your best friend. You didn't go to high school with him. You didn't go to middle school with him. He's not there to shoot the breeze with you. If that's all you're getting, it's like somebody like, you know, opened a Snickers wrapper, threw the Snicker bar away and ate the wrapper. This is type of stupidity. Good. There's a function for someone like that. It's called a garbage can. At least a Snicker wrapper is not going to be, uh, 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 you know, on the floor littering, whatever, you know? Is that all you, is that a lot created some people? That's what their, their, their hadha is going to be in this world. That's what their portion of this world is. Is that what your portion is going to be? The suhbah, the mashayikh, really, even literally, you want to meet Murabit? Murabit didn't used to shoot the breeze with people. I'll tell you, I saw him. He used to sit, face the qibla, and read Quran. That's all he did. Allah. If someone said, Salaamu Alaikum, because the sacred law obliges him, he would say, Wa Alaikum Assalam, and give the, return the greeting. Occasionally, I would hear him recite some of the verses of the, of the Qasida Burda in praise of the Prophet. He would either teach dars. Go pray the Salat or he would just read Quran and even that facing the Qibla. If it was one of us, you don't know what I'm doing when I'm at home behind closed doors. You don't know, you have no idea. Even my wife and kids have no idea what, 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 what am I doing when I'm not with them. Murabit literally lived in a tent, it's like semi-exposed, half-open tent. We saw, you pass by by day, by night. You know this person has, God knows what's inside of his heart. Only Allah knows what's inside of his heart. From the outside, he has no, there are literally decades of people who can bear witness that, he, that we never saw him commit a sin before. How are you going to, how are you going, what are you going to do? Either you're just going to sit there or you're going to uh, massage his feet or you, what, are you, what are you going to do? What's, who are the people who took benefit from him? Only the people who read dars from, them, from him will take benefit. People like that, even when they're gone, the books are still there. You want to meet Murabit, go read his books. You want to meet Ghazali, go read his books. You want to meet Abu Hanifa, go study his fiqh. Malik, go study his... Wallah, uh, uh, Bahay Khalid, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Abu Hanifa, like, should owe you, mashallah, on the Day of Judgment. You're the one who held out, held out against the Maliki Madhab and Masjid Da'wah because of which all of them have become Hanafi again now, mashallah. <laughs> Imam Abu Hanifa owes you high five, mashallah, yawm al-qiyamah. You want to meet Imam Abu Hanifa, go, go study his fiqh. You want to meet the Prophet ﷺ, go read his hadith with somebody who narrates it with an unbroken chain. 
You want to keep the suhbah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want the ma'i of Allah ta'ala. The one who said, فَذْكُرُونِ أَذْكُرْكُمْ Remember me, I'll remember you. Sit in the recitation of his, of his sacred book. Read the book of Allah ta'ala. Your tongue, your voice, everything. But who, who are you with in that moment? Allah ta'ala, you think that I'm making that up? Because people say, you know, this is, I give like talks for a living. So I, maybe like I'm like exaggerating or whatever. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? He said, he, he said, he said that, that Allah Ta'ala said that, I'm the, I'm the companion of the one who remembers me. And I'm with him as long as his two lips move with my remembrance. That's what this is, right? I mean, the information is important as well. The books are important as well. That's why we care about these books. This is why this is a book, it's different than like a book about like French cooking. It's different than a book about like, you know, uh, a, a book about mathematics or about physics, even though those things are important as well. I read them and benefited from them also. I'll say any benefit that's to be had from those books is only through this understanding that the person who reads, reads those things and reads about how genetics works and how zoology, biology, chemistry, how the universe works, and they see the creator through it. That's the only thing that there's benefit in. I'll, uh, except if it wasn't for that, there are people who read those books and they don't see Allah Ta'ala through them. They're blind to it. They get all the information, they get none of the knowledge. What do they do? Create weapons, missiles, nuclear bombs, drones, killing villagers in God knows places all over the world, right? Genetically modifying crops so that that same crop, it was a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How the hell are you going to copyright a genome? The one who copyrighted it is the only one who has the right to copyright it is the one who created it in the first place, Jalla but no, the thing that he gave as a gift for all of mankind, you're going to pretend I own it. He doesn't even exist. I'm the one who owns it. And I'm going to twist it. And I'm going to make the beautiful thing ugly. So it only gives, it only gives uh, 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 fruit one, one year. And then you have to come back to me and buy more. Those are people, they have the information. They don't have the knowledge. The, all of these things are going to be completely useless without without this knowledge that we're talking about. Not only useless, useless things are wonderful because there's no, it doesn't do anything, it's innocuous, right? These things are going to become poison, they're harmed, they're killing, they're, we're really, literally, they're killing us. Our own people are doing it, they're learning that knowledge and then they work in the employee of, of, of these corporations, they work in the employee of these governments, of these militaries. I know of the same fighter jets and things like that that are bombing civilians all over the world, drone technology, all of that stuff. Who is it? It's our Arab and Pakistani and Indian engineers that made them. Our own masajid, our own masajid, the masjid, pray behind you. There are people who made these missiles, made all of these different things. Is this why Allah Ta'ala gave you ilm? So that you can learn how to be the architect of the destruction of mankind, like the angel said, that, Ya Allah, are you going to create a creation that's going to, uh, uh, that's going to cause mischief in the earth and spill blood? The angels, they said, we're already here. We already, we already glorify your, your praise. And we hold you as holy, as sacred. We don't do this type of nonsense. What are you going to get out of them? So they said, I know something you don't know. That there will be some amongst them that they're not going to do that. They're not going to be like that. They're going to be the one that they still have to eat like the other animals eat. They still have uh, pain like other animals have pain. They have needs like other animals have needs. But they will be the ones when they speak, they speak the speech of the angels. 
When they feel in their hearts, they'll feel the feelings of the angels. When they act, their actions will be the actions of the angels. That's what this ilm is about. That's what this ilm does, it confers. You know, it's not just another book being printed that, you know, Sheikh Tamim and Bhai Jabir are going to get royalties on. And There's nothing, nothing of the sort whatsoever. The royalties come with the Malik al-Muluk, the king of kings is the one who's the only royalty that we, that, that, that we care about with this. Uh, so, inshallah, that's... I apologize, we wanted an interactive session. No one raised their hands, turned into a bayan. Please forgive me. But sometimes you have to share with one another, uh, you know, the feelings that we have in our hearts so that people understand. Otherwise, people, they, they don't get it, you know? Uh, how should we prioritize the topics we read about in items of hadith, tafsir, aqidah, etc.? Where should we start? Um, uh, to quote, mashallah, the muqaddamah of Al-Akhdari, which is the first book that, that, that's taught in Maliki fiqh. I wish someone would come and read it. Uh, um, the first, the first obligation on a person of moral responsibility is to correct their faith. So you first have to rectify your your belief in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That you don't believe Allah Taala is is three. You don't believe Allah Taala is uh, you know part of the earth. You don't believe that uh, Allah Taala is you know uh, uh, you know a, a corporeal being. Rather, you understand his transcendence, who he is what his basic attributes are, who was the Prophet ﷺ. You have to understand something about, about the world around you because that's like the lens. You know, people are wearing glasses. If the lens is tinted pink, everything's going to look pink. You have to make sure your lens is clear first. Um, after that, the next obligation on every person is, uh, is what, as a morally responsible person, what Allah expects from you. And so that starts with uh, learning how to worship Allah Ta'ala uh, and uh, it extends to then knowing what things that he, he, he commands you to and what thing he, things he forbids you to and what things will, will, will make your heart, rectify your heart and what things will destroy your heart. Envy, lying, greed, looking at the haram, listening to the haram, eating the haram, drinking the haram. Right, there, I mean, there's the whole there's a whole deen, so I can't explain it. But the idea is that these are these things are uh, individual obligations on every person. A person has to learn those. Then after that, depending on who you are, what your interests are, and what your dispositions are, you can either continue or not continue learning. And then you can choose depending on what your disposition is, uh, uh, what benefit you the most uh, through the consultation with the ulama. But uh, that's that's the the answer to that question. Barakallahu feekum, inshallah. I will take your uh, uh, I will take leave, inshallah. I have to go to the airport uh, to go to Turkey uh, as well. Mashallah, yani kapi the Molawi Khana is the 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 seat, the Astana Aliya and Khanqa of Mawlana Jalaluddin Rumi in Istanbul his, of his tariqa. That was the place where at one time the 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 Salatin and Khulafa used to be invested with the Khilafa. There was a four-hour dhikr ceremony of, uh, of the, 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 the sheikh who would come from Konya Sharif to Istanbul when a new sultan was uh, give, invested with the khilafah that he would have put on his shoulders the, the, the mantle of Rasulullah wasallam, and he would be girded with the sword of their forefather Uthman Ghazi. Uh, Allah Ta'ala have mercy on him. Uh, and they used to do it under the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. And for that reason, that khanqa, actually the headpiece on top of the dome is not a, a, a moon, crescent moon, which is an emblem of the Ottoman Turks, but uh, the sun, because the shams of the khilafah used to rise from this place. Uh, and uh, the rays, you see, it's like a sun with the rays uh, coming out from there. And uh, people used to have to wash dishes for four years just to be, uh, just to be taught zikr. 
uh, in that place. And they used to do it. Uh, and because of the facade of the zaman, because of the complete spoiling of the age that we're in, uh, somebody like me also gets to go and not only, someone not worthy of even learning in that place gets to go and teach in that place. And so uh, 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 something that this is from the qadr of Allah Ta'ala, otherwise we wouldn't have gotten the time of day from the other time. So please make dua Allah Ta'ala accept inshallah. And uh, uh, inshallah, I wanted to again thank Sheikh Tamim and thank all the volunteers both from Chicago and those who flew on their own time and money from other places to attend and to serve and to put this up. I was told by a number of people that heard about this program that this is a very necessary program. We have to do it again and again and again in a number of places. Don't be disappointed by the lack of numbers. Visionary projects have very few buyers at first. But it's something that we need to organize, promote, do again and again and again. Not just the same, the same thing has to happen again and again, but also the ideas that you get from it. They have to be implemented in different places. So be people who, the people who you know, buy the stock at the entry level, they're the ones who make the most money uh, later on. See the vision and, 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 and do this again and again. Talk to Mulana Tamim if you want to have a program in your masjid like this. Uh, uh, you know, talk to them. Organize these things uh, and, and, and push them. Not because of money, not to get Facebook followers, Twitter likes, none of that stuff. Just that in this moment, look inside your heart and see... Is this something that my Lord will look inside of my heart right now? That my Rabb, my Allah Ta'ala will look inside of my heart and be pleased with me? With that, with that niyat, inshallah, see you know, what you can do in order to propel this forward. If nothing else, then just saying that I'm, I'm, I was thinking about going for this and that, but I'm going to sit in this program until it ends, even if it's just that much. You know, see what you can do to make the, to make the, 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 the holy and sacred that of Allah Ta'ala pleased with you. Uh, Allah Ta'ala accept from everybody inshallah and make it accepted in Mubarak gathering. Wa sallallahu ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.